재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Our rock scholar is here once again to bring us up to speed on everything rock or ROK in this Republic of Korea. He brings us a little bit of a deep drill into some of the stuff we know superficially, but he comes armed with lots of facts, figures, charts, and anecdotes to help us know it more deeply. You've heard his voice before on our Saturday edition of Koreascape, the expat intel segment, and you can find him online as the Korea Nerd. He chose that branding, not me. He's right here. Alex Sigrist. What's up, nerd? Hey, <laughs> that threw me way off. I'm like, what's up, nerd? I haven't heard that since, <laughs> yeah. since high school. He, that brought back, that was a trigger alert. I should have <laughs> brought back some memories of the locker room, didn't it? I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so uh, let's repeat the stereotype, the cliche altogether. Korea is the most wired society uh, on yes, earth. Yes. And with that bandwidth comes uh, the risk of internet addiction. And yeah. this is, I, I, I don't know, is this the most internet addicted country in the world? I'm going to say yes, but, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a really strong statement. Sure. Say it, it might be, like, 80% of Koreans own smartphones, which is ins- yeah. it's a really an insane number. Yeah. Asian, I mean, because if you think about it, most countries have, like, anywhere between 10 to 25% poverty. So there are some people who are in poverty who have, are connected. Yeah. And, yeah. and there are more uh, cell phone units, smartphone units circulating in this country than there are population. So many people have two and three. Yeah, it's... It is necessary. I think, in a way, is it is Korea addicted? Maybe not addicted. Like not everyone here is addicted psychologically speaking. But in order to get these jobs, or to find out about jobs, or to find out about housing, or you know, everything's on an app here in Korea. So there is some sort of forced addiction, if you will. It's just part of the culture. You you can't. It's like Kwesiks. You know, you can't not go to these business meetings and still be a part of your company. You have to go to these things. It's just part of living here. It's fascinating because I was talking with Violet just a little while ago about uh, addiction to gaming. And usually we assume that the addiction comes from gaming and these immersive sort of multi-user scenario games. But it's easy to just get addicted to, like, email. Yeah, you can get addicted to just checking text messages. There's a case we'll talk about in a little bit of uh, someone in 1994 who had lost his marriage because of texting. 94? I don't even remember. We had phones, I guess. Yeah, just beginning to. Sort yeah. of like the little chunky ones that you could only text <laughs> and, on. And we say, yeah, we say, we, I don't know, I was, I was second grade. I'm not even sure I knew what a wireless I don't want to hear was. you talk again. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be waving your youth you in my me, face you like that. Me a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were in second grade. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you've paid me back for that nerd comment. <laughs> How do we get going with this whole discussion? Uh, we always got to start with a thought experiment. And we're going to take you into a new type of camp that's becoming popular all over the world, especially in Korea. So for this scenario, we have just arrived and the head camp counselor has something to say. All right. Welcome to the camp of Korea. This is where you'll be staying with your new campmates. Please put your phone over here. You will get it at the end of camp. 
Over here is the game room. Board games, card games, as far as I can see. Over there, the entertainment room. I know what you're thinking. And no, there's no TV, no computer. You can listen to music from CDs here with other campers. Though no headphones, we don't want you escaping into your own world. You're here to interact with other campers. There's a phone on the wall if you need to contact your friends or family in the case of emergency. I hope you enjoy your next 30 days here. I think I see what you did there at Camp Korea. Yes. There's fun to be had. There it is. But not uh, immersive escape from the world into your personal little digital setting. Fun. Right. Yeah, and this is something that is actually happening. I, what I did was I took a bunch of articles that talked about these camps and kind of put in their rules into one little conglomeration, if you will. And it's just, this is real. And, it, and the other thing is, even though we're talking about Internet addiction, I had to include the music you know, kind of, you can't have really music to yourself at these places because yeah. they don't want you to escape into your world. Because that's what they do with games, in the case that you mentioned earlier. You escape into another world. So if you're in a, even if you're in a, a book, you know, you can escape from trying to interact with other people. So they, they force kids, in Korea, they do with kids and adults, they do in the U.S., but they force kids to interact and to kind of regain uh, a physical, analog social life, if you will. Interesting. Yeah, and it, as you mentioned, these are, this is not some hypothetical camp. There are camps like this. Yeah, I said 30 days. I found one in the United States that was 45 days. The one in Korea for kids uh, was 27 days. This is, It's a full immersion. It's, it's fascinating it's that you say there's no books where a kid can just go into his own private world. Uh, this is not as much as it is a compulsive technology problem, it's a social withdrawal therapy kind of thing. Right. And that was one of the things that came out in the research. And so I thought it was I thought that was the most surprising part because the other a lot of stuff you can maybe take guesses at, but I didn't really think about yeah, if you put on headphones and sit in a corner, you're not accomplishing anything. You're just kind of passing time until you get back to your phone. Yep. So, should we start with basic yeah. stats? Let's start with some stats. How many uh, youths here in Korea are suffering from this problem? So, the government did a study with 1.5 million students ages 11, 13, and 15, and they went with a 14% addiction rate for either internet, smartphones, uh, or both. But the most interesting part of that was, from the previous year in the 11-year-old category, it was a 25% jump. One year, mm. you had a 25% jump in what they considered addiction at 14%. It's interesting. I wonder why it's growing. I guess the games are getting better and the smartphones are getting <laughs> smarter. They are out, better they're, graphics. They're getting smarter than us. Yeah. That's one of the interesting parts about marketing and, and gaming and everything about that is the more you think that you're getting past the marketing, the more you're probably actually getting tricked into it. And their marketing is getting Absolutely phenomenal. Well, in a, and, in a scary way. And speaking of social withdrawal, I mean, one of the things that makes these smartphones in various apps, not just gaming, so addictive is that it is a sort of social interaction. I mean, you are mm -hmm. interacting superficially with other multi-user game people or with uh, chatters on yeah. various chat apps. So it's a, it is a superficial interaction, but it's not really interacting interpersonally the way your mom and dad would have thought of it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there is something to be said about being able to physically see somebody. If we go back, let's just take like romantic relationships or family relationships. Just physically touching someone, hugging someone can 
uh, trigger endorphins that just hearing their voice may not be able to. And yeah. there's, so there are certain, certain things that you do lose. I mean, there's a huge difference between social interaction online and in-person, face-to-face. Yep. And even what you can see when somebody likes your post on a social media site, you get this little sudden rush, right? That's actually a little it's bit of dopamine. actually a drug. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a drug. So, like, signs of these internet addiction because we don't actually know what internet addiction is they haven't been able to exactly pinpoint what it is that, i can't take a thing. blood test and say oh, sir no. i'm afraid you're addicted to the internet <laughs> no but it does offer that escape from reality in the same way that drugs and alcohol offer that escape you get those same triggers and you and, and i'll be honest i probably oh someone liked it cool, cool. <laughs> it feels really good 20 people liked it, it Ooh, my day is made you know yeah but then next time what if you get 14 yeah. What did you do wrong? You know, this is a really Bad addictive Kurt. cycle. Bad. Yeah. And uh, there's actually something interesting, too. It, just kind of a side comment. There's uh, the posts that get the most likes on social media are actually the ones that are the most narcissistic. So it's actually encouraging bad behavior. Uh-huh. Like a selfie about how great your day was right. or whatever is actually something. And they, they ask people, they say, we don't like liking that post, but... You kind of feel obligated to. So those are the ones that end up getting the most likes, even though they're not the most respected ones. Uh huh. It's like a grudge-like. Kind of. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like this. But there's um there was one thing I was looking at earlier that was also interesting is kind of um why this is arising, okay. if you will. And I hadn't thought about this one before either, but it makes sense, of course, is the rise of double-income families in Korea. And a lot of people are starting to suggest that that is one of the major reasons because 37% of children spend time alone after school. Hmm. And the studies, well, it pans out that way. It turns out that the kids who are from double-income families were more likely to show the signs of addiction. Now, one thing that was interesting, too, though, was I got to compare an earlier stat to an American stat. We said that 14% of Korean kids were addicted, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think they're addicted, but they're not exactly addicted. Uh, the U.S., it said like 59% of parents think their kids are addicted, and 50% of kids actually think they themselves are addicted. Okay. So those numbers are a little bit off uh, as, as when you kind of self-assess. But nonetheless, it is something that is going up. Another reason that uh, these addictions might be going up, this is a hard one, so bear with me on this one, is the, um, it's related to the rise of ADHD in kids today. That's uh, ADHD, uh, attention deficit, uh, hyper, hyperactive, hyperactivity disorder, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. And so it's true. I mean, what people will argue is we've been, we're raised in a digital age, so our brain now expects novelty. We are hardwired to seek new. So if you've spent your whole childhood growing up in front of a TV, learning English, let's mm. say, then learning English from a book will just not keep your attention for that right. time. Now... One uh, professor from the University of Chicago uh, mentioned that we're not saying that they are directly causing um, – that social media is directly causing ADHD. He says it can impair functioning in a variety of ways that can mimic and in some cases exacerbate the underlying attention problems. But the hard part is we actually don't know what's causing what. Some people may think that just people who have ADHD – or more likely to fall prone to internet addiction. So it's just kind of like revealing their ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know chicken or the egg, which one is first. So I thought that was important to bring up because, you know, in the science, you don't 
want to say definitely this is causing something else. It's more important to know that there is kind of a debate going on right now about But you're that. saying there are people out there with at least a theory that this social media stuff and this electronic entertainment may be causing, instigating right. ADHD. Correlation has been confirmed. Uh-huh. Causation has not been scientifically confirmed yet. All right. So that's something to look at. I don't know. Uh, what about you, Alex? From my, I'm addicted. S- oh. <laughs> from my subjective experience, I can tell you that, um, you know, there was a point in my life before social media, then there was a point when social media came in, and after that, it felt like a full frontal assault on my attention. My ability to read a book was downgraded hugely, uh, mm-hmm. and then I yeah. had to force myself to start reading again and get a grip. Now, if I was a digital native, a kid that grew up and there was always an internet ever, uh, maybe I would have never gotten a love for reading. Yeah, that one's really hard because I I have that background in reading, as you do. And so, of course, I did go off the the paper trail for a long time and and tried to even read books on my phone. I can't do that. I've tried a lot. I've never finished a book on my phone. Uh, For me, it's tough. I don't know if I've made it to the point of addiction because I think sometimes – I, I can take those breaks. I can go on a vacation and put the phone away. I, and I've done that for a couple of days at a time. Like, I'm going to leave social media for a few days. And so I'm not on a full-scale addiction yet. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, like, me personally, I'm not going to back this up with facts. Me personally, I do think it's kind of a stepping stone thing in the same way that alcoholism is a uh. stepping stone. You know, you slowly build up this addiction over time. And so you do have to be careful of that because mm-hmm. you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, go be in too deep before you realize you're neck deep in quicksand. It feels a little shaky using the clinical word addiction, too, because, I mean, you take away heroin or cocaine or whatever, uh, the person, you know, vomits, goes into seizures, Mm -hmm. gets uh, hypothermia, all kinds of things like that. If you take away a quote-unquote addicted kid's smartphone, is he really going to be in that bad shape? Well, they do. I mean, they have uh, symptoms of withdrawal. Now, the part that I did learn about was that it's a lot easier to, let's say, come back from this addiction in, this, in a way like, you know, if you have heroin once, you can be addicted for life. And it can, it can, anything, you try it again 40 years later and that can mess you up. With this, though, a lot of psychologists were pointing to the fact that the fact that our brain is able to be so resilient, uh, they said they were much more hopeful about, let's say, recovery from this addiction. And again, the term is very shaky. Think about it this way. Um, if you called a kid addicted, it actually has a negative effect on him in a way too because it, you now say um, you don't have control over your problem. Hmm. Whereas if you say, hey, this is what we need to do to fix it, it gives control back to the kid. So it's not a full-scale addiction in the same way. Imagine a, uh, like it's the same way that someone who drinks alcohol a lot, I guess, yeah. or even a little bit. If someone goes out and says you're an, addiction, you're an addict or you have a problem – then your response will be defensive in nature. And you won't get any help. You won't mm. say anything at all. You just kind of fight back or fight back, even if you're not a problem. There are people who go out and, let's say, have four or five or 20 drinks in a night, feel bad about it the next day, and don't do it again. I mean, there are signs of addiction. It doesn't mean it's an addiction yet. So what are the signs? Are they nervous? Are they, uh, you know, what, what does a, an Internet-addicted young person uh, have in terms of habits or traits or whatever? Uh, well, one of them, as we mentioned earlier, was a sign of withdrawal. Um, another sign that we talked about earlier was, of course, ADHD. Mm. 
And there's just other signs. Um, the ones that came out were feelings of anxiousness when they're not online, sleep disturbances, having trouble completing tasks at school and at home, also problems waking up in the morning. Uh-huh. But that's an interesting one. You've, but we've talked about this, I think, before, and um, the, the sleep loss at night related to blue light. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting in that the blue light, of course, is telling our body when to wake up, when to sleep, when to... It's our circadian rhythm, basically. And having blue light from your phone can really throw that off and cause sleeplessness at night. It doesn't allow you to get the right kind of, let's say, REM sleep yep. or deep sleep, whatever it may be. All the health people out there and sleep advisors and whatnot say no screens at least one hour before bedtime, maybe two hours. Yeah, I, I use some apps... Because I'm addicted. Like, I don't know. I use the apps that cut out the blue light. Yeah, they change the color temperature of your yeah. app, you know, so that... It, I try. Yeah. I, I do. One more thing that was interesting in how we delude ourselves, and this is related to, I guess, the personal cost we've just been talking about and the signs of it, is the illusion of multitasking. Mm-hmm. This one's always interesting for me to bring up to people because everyone assumes there is a scale of multitasking that is a real thing. But there is no such thing as multitasking, or at least it's a, uh, it's a misnomer. Yeah, it's like rapid sequential tasking. Exactly, exactly. So when you're doing two things at once, what's really happen- happening is your brain is switching from one activity to the next very, very quickly. But the illusion of multitasking is that somehow when we're doing it, whether it's texting and talking to a friend or texting and driving, you know, God forbid, uh, you're actually doing worse and worse on everything, but your mind is tricked into thinking you're doing better and better and better. Yeah. So it's just, it's dangerous, especially in that instance of texting and driving that we talked about. And it, sat- talked about. it satif- satisfies, we talked about this last week, FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, man. You know, it <laughs> satisfies that FOMO yeah. urge. I'm not, I've got 17 tabs open on my computer. I'm not missing anything. And I'm yeah. doing 17 things at once. No, you're doing one thing in a row, then the second thing, then the third yeah. thing, and you're diluting your time while mm-hmm. you're doing it. I don't think this needs to be said, and I think everyone understands this. There, the other signs you might have are uh, job loss and relationship loss. Yeah. Like we said earlier, the guy who lost his marriage in 1994 was the first case I could find about losing someone to texting. It appears your significant other does not want your face in a smartphone all the time. Well, I think it was a dumb phone back then. But <laughs> <laughs> Imagine losing to texting, not even a, a cool app, you know? Yeah. So uh, one of the questions we asked off the top is what does this cost Korea? What, in nuts and bolts, what is Korea losing out because of this stuff? Productivity. Korea has one of the lowest productivities of, you know, all of the, of the developed nations out in the world. Um, I can give a personal example. I used to teach business English at a company, Company X, and they would go to the Huishik, they would... They would have drinks that night, uh, come over to work hungover, make it to lunch, rest after, and then work from 2 to 4. So anything between morning and 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock or whenever they went home was spent surfing on the – according – these are the personal stories that they were telling me. Mm. They were just spent surfing on the web, shopping, um, looking around, doing nothing, trying to look busy. And there is a real amount of productivity that is lost but I, I can't prove it. That was just an anecdotal evidence. Uh-huh. Was it the hangover that caused the lack of productivity or the access to the Internet? I think access is really what causes this social and personal cost yeah. to um, Korean, Koreans, Americans, whoever it may be. Uh, the, um, so productivity is one. The double-edged sword of the Internet being that it helps you do stuff, but it also helps distract you at the same time. Yeah. Um, it has effects on, on the, the youth, of course. And, in fact, that's what led the government to develop the Cinderella Law, which – do you know what that means? Can you guess? 
uh, you have to leave one shoe out when you when you go out. Uh, yeah, that that helps you with what? <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, I tried to like save that, and I have no idea what you do with that. Um, um, yeah, a curfew. It sounds like a curfew. Yeah, denies access to under sixteen gamers after midnight. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, a good idea. So they can't be at least out in public playing in the PC bongs and things uh, like I that. I believe. Uh, I haven't tried it since I'm not under 16, but I believe you're not even allowed to be like, access to it. sign on. Yeah, so aha, uh-huh. and then there's the real ID stuff that they have to sign with their yeah. actual name. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, interesting. All right, we've got a little less than one minute left okay. uh, in terms okay. of actually treating this and going yeah. at it. What's the solution? Uh, number one is don't call it an addiction, like we mentioned earlier. Um, for parents, this was from a university professor in the states. He he did mention. Make sure you tell your child why you're doing something because um, he was talking about if you don't tell them why you should not use your phone, then kids are more likely to rebel. But the, from the kids that he talked to, um, if they have a good reason, that can help. There are the, inter- the rehab clinics in the U.S. I found one for $25,000. Yowie. They seem to work, but like other forms of rehab, they, there's, um, there might be a chance of relapse. Yeah. So you have to be constantly aware. And awareness and meditation was the one that was most likely to give you guys some help. There you go. Some worst-case scenarios there. Just put the phone down once in a while. Alex Sigrist, the Korea nerd, the rock scholar, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And that'll bring today's edition of Koreascape to a close. We are produced by Christina Saul with associate production from Jamie Lee and writing by GP1. I'm Kurt Asian. Remember to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Koreascape is the handle. And we're back tomorrow at 9 a.m. same time with Did You Know and our expat segment, Why Here? See you then. <laughs>